podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. I'm a business-owning, meal-prepping, edit 24-7 supermom. And for me, back-to-school success begins at officedepot.com. Their best-selling school supplies are up to 60% off, so I can save on everything my kids need to start the year strong, like a new calculator for my high schooler, backpacks and notebooks for the little ones, and hand sanitizer for all of the above, and maybe even a little coffee for myself. It's available online at officedepot.com. Success is in session at Office Depot Office Max. I'm Dylan Gabriel, and you're watching the Sons of UCF. Thank you, Dylan. Hello, Night Nation. Trace Rocco here. Welcome to the Sons of UCF Live. 21 days until UCF kicks off the 2021 season. We have the latest from preseason camp. Uh, we are going to be talking about the secondary tonight. We are answering your questions. Let's welcome in the Sons of UCF, Adam and Mike, who in just three weeks will be hosting their tailgate party. Guys? Now Adam's frozen. Is that it? Man, we were having a little <laughs> technical difficulties. I guess this ah, week. it's live. Mike, how are you? <laughs> are we back? Good. Are we good? There he is. There I am. Who's here? Who's not? Who's live? I don't even know anymore, Trace. Uh, I've I heard you this entire time, so I'm not entirely sure what's going on with the signal. But it is good to see you guys, frozen or not. <laughs> yeah. It's good to be or seen. Uh, I can see you. I can see Mike. You seem a little frozen. You've got a, a happy face happening right now. That's uh, going to be an awkward uh, gif, I assume, at some point. But uh, it's good to be back for another week. <laughs> this is what oh, happens when you go to Cincinnati for a day. That's right. Screw everything up. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, did they plant something in you? Do you have a chip or something that uh, maybe is interfering with your signal tonight? No, I, I do like your uh, commentary about Cincinnati. Can you hear me? Am I there? I feel like I'm there. The same computer <laughs> I here. use for all of my work-related things. Yeah, you're kind of here. You're kind of not. You know, you're a little in, a little out. Uh, you know, but what we'll, we will make do, Trace. We have a fun show, I think, planned tonight. I think we have a bunch of nice guests coming up here. I know you have a poll question you want to tease. Uh, we have a lot of good things. We have a, I think we have a an enemy joining us on the show tonight. The first enemy that I think we've ever had. I don't know if that's true or not. Uh, if all goes well, I mean, you can't log me into this show properly. Who knows about a guy from uh, hmm. Idaho? Uh, but uh, uh, yeah, preseason camp continuing. What did you make of Gus Malzahn's opening statement about the scrimmage earlier this week? It was interesting. I mean, uh, he offered a lot more commentary than we ever got from Josh Heupel, right? He actually offered some insight, uh, spoke a little bit about what he saw, what he liked. I don't know what this phrase is. We got a lot of information. I don't know what that means. So I feel like he's been around these kids a, a lot. So what information is he still gathering? I guess it's, you know, it's practice and maybe he's finding some things out, uh, but definitely more illuminating than anything. I think we heard in the Heupel era. Uh, he said what every coach says after the first scrimmage of the season. The defense had a good day. The defense is ahead of the offense. That's a typical reaction from the first scrimmage. So, and it's a good thing for us to hear because we were very concerned about the defense coming after the last year. 
We were, Mike. We absolutely were uh, concerned about the defense going off of last year, and rightfully so. Obviously, we saw what happened with BYU and uh, and, and some of the things that you know that, that took place there. But luckily, our guy Trace was able to talk to some guys about the defense this year, and uh, he had a little time with Jermaine uh, uh, John Baptiste to talk a little bit about uh, the defense and what it means and what they have to prove this year. Uh, so let's hear from Trace, who's frozen right now. We will miss you, Trace. Uh, but he was not frozen when he talked to Jermaine. Uh, 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 we got to be a way better defense than last year. And I'll tell you that, coming into 2021, we do have that chip on our shoulder. And we will show up to the test. Like, that is a big chip on our shoulder this year. Like, not to play with our defense. We know we're one of the best defenses in Florida. So despite the other seven people talking in the background, Mike, what you heard there was uh, a chip on the shoulder for the defense. That's got to make you feel good that the defense is at least – you know, taking up for the challenge understands that they do have a mark on their back and they have a, a legacy and they have a sort of a duty to uphold right now. Well, they've been hearing it all off season. I think whether it was, we ranked 120th on defense overall last year as a team. So they've heard that T will mentioned it in his press conference last week. Uh, these guys have to have a chip on their shoulder and that's a good thing for them. And the same thing can be said about the whole team coming out with this week, the AP poll, the rankings were not in the top 25. Gus has mentioned the chip on his shoulder coming out for his Auburn job. I, th- I think it's a common theme throughout the team this year. Can you Trace, hear me I now, reckon- guys? We hear a little bit of you. Yeah, go ahead. All right. Well, uh, you played the Jeremiah Jean Baptiste bite. I asked uh, defensive coordinator Travis Williams about Jeremiah and what he's seeing of his progress. You know what? Just, man, he's, he's taken a, a, a huge step forward. Since, since I've gotten here, when we first got here, and every day during the spring, and just fall, just fall camp, just taking that step forward, putting him in different situations so he can communicate, and um, he, he's, he's taking a step forward. I, I really like his progress. So that's a positive comment. Uh, that is going to be uh, a player that we can focus in on this year. Uh, so uh, positives about the defense this week as we continue our previews, taking a look at the secondary this week. Well, first off, I mean, you know, it's exciting to hear that he's taking a step forward. I don't know what that means. That sounds like coach speak, but I will say this. We've asked and we've talked about on the show, who else is going to step up? I've talked for multiple weeks now about the back seven. We need somebody to kind of step up and be a leader. Who's going to be that person? If you're seeing these guys make strides, that's helpful. But obviously, Mike, the secondary is a a big uh uh, I don't say big question mark, but you know, it was young last year. We, some guys definitely took some uh, took some licks, kind of on the job training, if you will. We've got some transfers coming in. I don't know if we know what to expect, but the secondary obviously holds a big mystery for our upcoming season. Big shoes to fill in the secondary. We had three guys leave for the NFL. I know Tay Gowan didn't play last year. We're still talking about Richie Grant, Aaron Robinson, guys who had big impacts here. Richie Grant was a, a top player for a few years for us. So who's going to step into those roles? They're Gainis. Gainis needs to have a big season, take on a leadership role. And then you got guys that transferred that we don't know that much about. Jaden Francois, right. um, D- Domeo, the transfer from Auburn. And we saw a little bit of Devad Wilson last year. We saw some good things out of him. I, I expect him to play a lot in the slot, the nickel cornerbacks position, maybe even some safety for him too. I think Trace agrees, Mike. I think you've, you've wowed him with your uh, your analysis there. Here's a fun fact. If you take Richie Grant out, only two interceptions are returning from last season. 
Only two guys that are currently on the roster had an INT last year, a team that obviously did really well on takeaways. But you're right, we're young on the wings. But Gus brought in transfers specifically. You, you got to wonder to address that, right? Obviously, you mentioned Domeo Jarvis Ware coming in from Missouri. I know he's got a knee injury. He's rehabbing. So Gus specifically went out and targeted guys in the secondary, which makes you wonder, is he sold on those young guys? Corey Thornton, Justin Hodges took their lumps last year. We have Devontae Brown, who's really well. Zamari Maxwell, i.e. Dios mio. You never know what you're going to get with Zamari Maxwell. Maxwell, obviously Jaden Francois, we saw him walking on the sidelines of BYU. Does he have something this year? So I think there's a lot of unknowns and you got to, you got to wonder, Gus brought a lot of guys in. Does that indicate where he's thinking the secondary is at? All right. But guys, it's a big step from freshman year to sophomore year, especially for guys like Thornton and Hodges. Hodges is in a, a gold jersey right now during practice. That means he's in no contact. I don't know what he's banged up with, but obviously something's not right with him. So hopefully that gets cleared up in the next couple of weeks. But these guys need to grow up quickly. Devontae Brown, we, we've seen some flashes out of him. He's, he uh, caught Johnny Richardson in that spring game. We saw the speed that he possesses. So now these guys just need to start putting everything together and to gel together as a unit. That's the most important thing. Communication is huge in the secondary. Well, speaking of gelling as a unit, Mike, let's try this one more time. Trey Strelko who is now a black square, has emerged back on the screen as smiling face. Trey Strelko, welcome back back to the sons of UCF. Can you hear us? Yeah, I got no answers for you guys. My computer works just fine. I've been on Zoom meetings during the day, so I don't know what to tell you. Somebody sabotaged Yeah, a good craftsman never blame. It may be the Boise guy you booked coming up later on. Maybe he got to your uh, got to your computer, Trace. But obviously the secondary is going to be a huge part of, of where we are, Mike. Is there one guy? I know Devod Wilson's probably the, the main guy. Who do you expect to be the leader of that particular crew back there? I'm looking to Gainus. He's a guy that has experience. He's an older guy among this group of, of a lot of young players. He's been here for a while now. So I want him to step up into that role that Richie Grant had last year. Trace, do you have a, a secondary member you're most interested in watching? Uh, I, I'm not really sure because I've got a lot of concerns about this position group, to be honest with you. It's the, the part of the defense that I'm most concerned about. Has anybody uh, stood out or caught your eye? I know you've been around practice and uh, you've, you've heard some things. Anybody kind of stood out? Any name you're hearing more and more? Or should I just ask Mike because Trace is now gone? You know, <laughs> the thing that's going <laughs> to help this secondary, these young guys, <laughs> is what we talked about in the last few weeks, the guys up front. And that's one thing Malzahn mentioned in, in, after the scrimmage this week is how well the guys on the defensive line played and how we have so much depth at that position to keep each other fresh. Those guys putting pressure on the quarterback, I think, is going to make the secondary's job a lot easier. They won't have to cover for five, six seconds. If we're getting pressure on the quarterback, these guys, all they got to do is stick with their guy for a couple seconds and they'll be able to make plays themselves. Mike, how much do you think that last year, obviously, Corey Thornton, Justin Hodges, uh, Devontae Brown, they, they took some lumps last year, right? Obviously, they, they got thrown into the fire. Uh, the BYU game was an unmitigated disaster, uh, and those guys played a lot in that. Do, are you one that thinks that you need to just learn by taking your lumps, by getting out there and just getting some real game practice? Do you think that helps their confidence coming into this year, or do you think that hurts their confidence? I don't know about their confidence, but it definitely is going to help them in the long run. Remember the interview we did with Brandon Alexander a few weeks back? And he talked about the 2011 season. And we had some ugly losses in 2011. Talking about a game against UAB where we had no business losing. A game at SMU where we just got blown out. And, and the defense looked sloppy in a lot of those games. But that defense turned into a pretty solid unit. 2012, you saw they got a lot better. 2013, 
a championship defense, probably one of the best defenses we've ever seen around here. So just because last year and the end of last year got a little sloppy doesn't mean that this year is going to be the same. Remember, we had a lot of guys opt out last year. We, we didn't have the depth on the defensive line like we're going to have this year. We had half the team kicked off in the middle of the season last year on defense. Now we're going to have hopefully a full season. These guys playing together. I expect the defense to be a lot better. Yeah, I mean, T. Will definitely seems uh, excited about what he's seeing on the defensive side. And it's interesting you hear, like you said, Malzahn said the defense sort of won the scrimmage, uh, which is something that you you hear a lot, I guess, during um, uh, you know during some of these uh, preseason type practices, Mike. But do do you think that's is some of that strategic? You think Augustus part to either not uh, not divulge how well the offense is doing, or to give the defense sort of a uh, I don't know, just a feather in their cap that they're kind of winning or they're doing well based on the fact that maybe they didn't have such a good year last year? Well, I think Gus pulled out all the stops in the very first scrimmage offensively. I'm sure he probably wanted to do a lot of things to establish the run game. And I think the defense probably knew that coming in. I'm sure they had a game plan set up for the offense where they know the offense is trying to do certain things early. And that helps them. I'm sure they came in saying, we got to stop the run first, knowing the offense was going to do that. So... I'd like to see what's going to happen in the second scrimmage. And then I think they even have maybe a third one planned before the they break for uh, game planning for Boise State. So the next scrimmage is going to tell a lot. I think you're going to see Gus mix it up a lot more, and the offense will have another week of installed practice. So um, I think we're going to learn a lot more in the next week. Well, speaking of that, so I know Trace and, and others have been out there uh, capturing these 15-minute video clips that they're allowed in practice. I know you've seen a, lot, a bunch of these. Has anything stood out to you as you've watched some of these little clips? I know you're not seeing very much. You're seeing a handoff, a swing pass. Anything stood out to you as you've watched any of these clips? Anything that kind of grabbed your attention? Man, it's hard to get a lot of information from these things. You're seeing one pass from each quarterback to a different guy. The thing that I'm seeing is it's a different combination every time, I guess. You want to say... Gabriel is not always throwing to the same receiver. They're mixing up the combinations there. Um, you're seeing him throw to everybody, and then you're seeing Mikey Keene throw to every one of those receivers. And same thing with Quadri Jones. I, I don't think there is a set lineup yet, uh, set too deep. So that's one thing that's kind of, I think you still have an open competition between everybody on this team. So that's kind of caught my eye. Other than that, it's hard for me to tell. I mean, you're seeing kicks fly through uprights. You don't know who kicked them, right? You just see a ball flying through and, <laughs> Sometimes they're not going through the uprights. And you're just seeing a pass here and a pass there. We don't get to see the good parts of practice. So it's hard for me to give you any more in-depth analysis than that. Yeah, I don't even know if they win in half the time. But let's try it from a new angle. I don't know what we got here. A new angle. A new Trey Strelko has emerged. Uh, there seems to be a floating, um, I don't know what that is behind him. I don't want to say it on, last, on, on live internet. Trey Strelko, can you hear us again? Trace needs to go back to Cincinnati, do the show from there. I don't know what else to tell him. All right, I want to ask you. Can you hear me? We can kind of hear you. Chris Martin is in the chat now. He's laughing at us. Yeah, I got no no ideas for you guys. I'm now on my tablet. Okay, can you hear us at least? I'm now on the tablet. (laughs) Was that a yes? I don't know. (laughs) It's like talking to our grandparents. (laughs) (laughs) It may not work for me tonight, guys. I know it's a family-friendly program. Is that a floating bomb behind Trace? Anybody know? <laughs> <laughs> what, what, do, what, do we, what do we have there? I don't really know. <laughs> well, what we do have is Chris Martin. He's our special guest on the show tonight. Let's bring Chris into the proceedings. He's having a good time in the in the green room here uh, laughing at our uh, our shenanigans. Maybe Chris is not joining us right now. Hold on. Trace is not joining us. Is Chris joining us? Is this just me and Mike this week? What are we doing around here, StreamYard? I don't know what's happening. Wow. 
This is just yeah. like a Monday night show for us now. And now Chris is gone. Show. Yeah, it's just me and Mike. Uh, he's on a tablet, folks. Libby's excited. You know Finally, Trace has been silenced. Like, this is the off the rails <laughs> edition of the uh, Sons of UCF Live because we lost Chris. This is not on, on the show sheet. So I think I'm going to take this opportunity to talk about our tailgate party coming up in a Get few in weeks. There. Only three weeks Spread from today. Fill if you out. haven't seen the details yet, tailgate guys set us up with an awesome spot right in front of the stadium. I posted a picture earlier this week. I can literally throw a football from where our tent's going to be to the Roth Tower. That's how close. You're not going to have to walk across campus and lug all your stuff around. So, you know, I'm actually getting a little nervous now because I've hyped this thing so much. A lot of people are interested in coming. I don't know if it can get, hold all these people. Are you a little well, nervous about this yourself? You, you know who else might be showing up is this guy here, Chris Martin, who is now back and with us on the show. Chris, can you hear us? Yeah, I can hear you fine. What's going on, guys? Tell us. What's up, Chris? How are you? Doing good, man. Just finished working with one of my trusted friends here and her son, football star. Awesome. Over at Dr. Phillips. Yeah, over here working them out, making sure they're getting ready. Well, we are we are glad to have you on the show. And I know Trace reached out, and one of the things that he reached out about that we'll get to in a little bit is uh, is you are the star, I would have to say, of a new uh, documentary about the Alliance of American Football called Alliance is Broken. We'll get to that in a little bit here. But but Chris, obviously, the, the new season is embarked for UCF, obviously a new era. Uh, I know you talked to Mike and I on the podcast a while back. You were out of practice. What do you make so far of what you've seen of sort of the new UCF under Gus Malzahn? I love them. I mean, they're – they're full of energy, which is, you know, always a good thing when you're an athlete out there on the football field. And to see him and to have the, the, the support that he has behind the coaching staff, those athletes really feel it. And they feel that, that Coach Malzone wants the best from them. And you can see the way they perform on the field. I really appreciate him being the player's coach that he is. And I think the, I think the players feel that as well. You know, when, he, when he's out there, you know, when you say a prayer after every game, you make sure the athlete's health is number one. You want them to perform their best. It means a lot to them. It means a lot to the guys to hear that kind of affirmation from their coaches and stuff. And so I, I really like what he's doing over there. And it shows on the field. You know, it showed in that first scrimmage and the way they came out and played with all that energy. They're, they're on it, man. I'm excited to see what they do this year under him. Chris, you're a fan now. I mean, you were a former player, but now you've converted into our realm as a fan. What are you <laughs> expecting record-wise out of this team this first year? I mean, they better go undefeated, let's be real. Like, that's, <laughs> that's what we all expect and that's what we all hope. And I, I, that's, a, that's a good thing to expect, you know, from UCF. You know, a lot of people don't really have that feeling and can't even expect something like that. But we've been there, right? We've done it. And so we want them to do the same thing, you know, especially after last year, you know, when it was when a lot of people were hesitant to go to games. You know, 2020 was kind of like a crazy year. Uh, I'm excited for this year. I'm excited for the, the players to really feel the energy that's going to be in the stadiums. You know, we're going to be there at any home game that we can be at. You know, I live in Orlando now. And so, you know, we're just so excited for everything, all the new, you know, it's like everything's new at UCF. And so these guys, I think they feel that and they want to keep that energy alive this whole season for them. Obviously, a lot has been made about a new offense, right? New terminology and Dylan Gabriel's got to learn new signals. What does that mean for an offensive lineman? What does a new offense mean? What do you, what's the learning curve like if you're an O-lineman for a new offensive system? Oh, goodness gracious. I, so that really depends on how and how they organize it, right? That could be a disaster or it could be really easy for offensive linemen. Like, for instance, when I was when you know when I was with the Patriots and Brady had a, a special call for everything that he wanted to do, that made it really difficult as a whole line. You have to switch everything on any word that he says. But, you know, for, you know, coming into Gus Malzone and what he's doing over there, I think he's going to try to make this the most comprehensive for these guys. 
I think he's going to make it so that these guys can truly understand the game plan, not necessarily overwhelm them and not go overboard with the like the things that he's implementing for these programs. And so honestly, as, as an O-lineman, you would expect there to be somewhat difficulty in learning the new program and learning what you need to do. But it's generally the same, right? And so we would just change the terminology. We would change certain things. But as an offensive lineman, it pretty much stays the same as to who you're blocking and how you're going to get there kind of thing. And so for O-line, not so much. I think the real issue is going to be in the receivers and the guys that got to cover the receivers, like the you know outside linebackers, the inside linebackers, like my friend here. You know, that, that's where the issue is going to come and having to learn these plays and understand, you know, that kind of thing is where the real difficulty linemen, you know, our assignments don't necessarily change too much. You know, we, we know who we got to go to. We know how we got to get there. And so it's just a matter of the terminology of what we use to define and see who we're going to. So I don't think they're going to have an issue. It's really the skill guys that have the biggest learning curve. I think under Malazan, we're going to see a lot more motion out of the receivers. And even the linemen, we see now in practice that we're pulling the guards, pulling the tackles. You as the offensive lineman, did you enjoy doing that? Does oh. it help you to, so, when you're moving? The, so that depends, right? There's twofold to that question. When the guards pull for, like, power and stuff like that, you're meeting, like, my friend here, like the Mike linebackers at full speed, right? And so that's, uh, that's, uh, that's concussion city. No, I mean, no, when you're running full speed and they're running full speed, you know, that's uh, that's always a good thing. You know, that's when the big collisions happen. That's where you make or break the athletes, right? That's when you figure out who's going to do the job when it comes down to the wire. The, the, the other issue is the outside linebackers, right, or the outside running plays. And for linemen pulling, that's what we call like our highlight reels, especially for me as a tackle. And for me as a tackle, when they would say, you know, when you would pull outside almost to like the receiver type position, you know that A, the running back's probably right behind you or the wide receiver screen is kind of right behind you. And so that is what we define as like highlight reel. So I always, I thrived in those. When you would pull outside of the tackle box is where I loved because, you know, that's when you're like kind of opening the lane, right? That's just like you, a defender and a running back right behind you. And so I always lived for those moments as guards. They always like the pulling inside the tackle box and taking on those Mike linebackers full speed was, was always no joke. It's fun, right? You know, we play this game for contact, but that that's that full speed contact that can, you know, a lot of times, you know, put guys out of the game if they get hit inappropriately or not the right way. But that's, that's what we live for, right? We live for those big contacts and that fun play to, I kind of assert the dominance over the other team. That's where you get to show it in those moments. Well, you mentioned running backs, uh, Chris. So unfortunately, uh, UCF had uh, probably their most seasoned returning running back, Mentavious Thompson, is no longer with the program. So that leaves us now with uh, with a transfer in Isaiah Bowser, uh, with another transfer in Mark Anthony Richards, with a guy in R.J. Harvey who didn't play a ton last year at running back. As an old lineman, does it take time to get used to a running back and where he likes to cut, where he likes to likes to move? And what kind of learning curve do you think the old line is going to have kind of getting used to some of these newer running backs? That's a, that's a big deal. And just, just like it is with quarterbacks, right? Understanding the quarterbacks and even like, even the way they call like cadences is a big deal, you know? So everybody is different and, you know, having that timing and being on the same page with those guys is a big deal. When, when I was a senior, we had storm, right? And so storm, even though the play was going to the right storm was one of those backs that would go all the way to the left. And so we would, we would always have to understand that you never kind of got off your block. You had to understand that the backside was always just as important as the front side when it comes to blocking as an offensive lineman, when you have running backs like that. 
do you have running backs that typically stay? Like if you say, hey, I need, I need you to run through the C-gap, and these running backs are going to run through the C-gap, whether it's there or not, that makes a big difference in the way that you're going to block it, right? You want to open up that C-gap because he's not a cutback player is what they normally identify those running backs as. Is, is he a cutback running back or is he a straightforward running back, a power running back? And so understanding these guys and the way they play is a big deal for these linemen and understanding how they're going to approach the blocking schemes. It was the same way, you know, with quarterbacks, like I was saying earlier, if you have a scat back quarterback, it's a whole lot different than a pocket passer. And so you have to understand these guys so that your blocking can match their styles accordingly. And yeah, there will be a learning curve, but I think, you know, that's what, that's what camp's all about. And that's why they cycle through all the backs and they cycle through all the linemen is because they want you to understand that it's going to be different for each guy. You need to understand who you're blocking for and where you're going to. How have you enjoyed the transition from football star to now? What, what is it? A movie star or a documentary star? Do you have a SAG card? How does that work? Uh, yeah, I don't even, I don't know how that works. I don't, <laughs> it's my first rodeo, so I don't really know what to expect. You know, I, I was honestly just really happy that the documentary made it out, you know, and I was just happy that people were finally able to kind of see, you know, the, the details that not many people knew. You know, I've spoken with a lot of people since it's happened. You know, a lot of my friends have reached out to me and was like, man, I had no idea. You know, had no idea what was going on behind the scenes of this thing. I thought everything was, you know, good and dandy and everything was good. Well, it's nice that the truth finally made it out, you know, because I wasn't really allowed to say much about it because they wanted it to all be kind of released in the documentary. And so it was a real relief for people to realize what really happened behind the scenes of everything, of all the guys, you know, the, everybody that got fired that day, all of us. <laughs> Well, I mean, I saw the doc, Chris. So my first question, a hard-hitting one. Um, did you actually catch any fish that day? I actually did. I actually okay. did catch a fish. It was, it was probably about, you know, five, I can't see my fingers. It was probably about five to six inches. And the one, I actually had a big one hooked on. I ended up lost it. You're not going to believe it. So the reel that I was using was a reel from my granddad. So I was pumped. That I hadn't used it yet. And so I was finally getting pumped to bring it out there. And so I, I caught, a, and I was right there in the draft and right there in the current. And they kept taking my bait and I caught it. I hooked up to a big one. And that was the one they got, she got the filming. And as I was pulling it up, man, my damn reel broke as I was fishing for this thing. And the whole thing, it was an old reel. The whole thing just essentially crumbled and the line snapped and it was just a disaster. It's a, and they were like, hey, you know, so how are we going to finish like the rest of this filming? And I, I, I shit you not, man, this is crazy. And so we, so my, my, my reel was broke, but I had the rod and, uh, you know, we were like, oh, so what are we going to do to kind of finish the filming? And I was like, I don't know. You know, I'm sorry. I didn't bring an extra rod. I thought this would be fine. And we went back to the table and there was a random rod with a reel leaning up against like the brush that was behind us. And so the rod had broken. So, so whoever was fishing before me, the rod had broken, but the reel was fine. And so I was like, oh, well, what if I just take this reel and put it on my rod and we just use that? And they're like, oh, that's great. So that was the like that was the really behind the scenes story behind that. But I actually did catch one fish. I put it back because it wasn't anything worth anything. And then I hooked up with a nice one that ended up breaking my reel. Well, I think the the most telling thing about the documentary is obviously, you know, listen, these were jobs, right? These are people's economics. But I think the telling thing for me was for for a lot of what we heard, this was a dream for you guys, right? I mean, this was one more chance to continue to play football, to maybe get an opportunity to to further your career, to to get a chance to play sales, to support your families, and all of a sudden that dream got taken away from you guys. Can you walk us through that feeling that day you found out, and not the not the paycheck stuff, which I know was important, but just realizing that your dream and what you guys have been working for was being taken away from you um even just beyond that uh and kind of what the documentary was hinting on was the importance of that game 
that I missed, right? And so that Saturday, so that ended up, I think we shut down on what, the second or the third or something like that. That Saturday was a game at UCF, which was a home game, and it was on the 6th. And so the 6th was the actual day that my son passed. And so that whole game, A, I was getting ready to be the starter at tackle. And so I had started at guard and I had played at tackle, but I hadn't started yet at tackle, which is like my home position. And so for me as a career, that was my that was my shot to eventually get my tackle film for everybody else to see. Like a full game of tackle film, which I hadn't had up to that point. I was to be starting for the rest of the season through the championship game at that point. And so I, you know, to have my first real start at tackle, my home, I had started at guard, but to have my first real start at tackle taken from me was one thing because I needed that film for the NFL to see that I was, I'm different, right? Because the last time I played the NFL was 2016. And so they hadn't really gotten the chance to see that I'm a healthy, you know, I can still can do this kind of thing. And so that was part A, but the, the emotional side, right. And what was taken from me on the emotional aspect of that Saturday was what the documentary hit it on. And the things that I don't think Ebersaw will ever understand. And so to be able to play a college game at my home stadium on the day that my son died was special in and, and itself. And to be there and starting at my home position, which is the last position I played at my home stadium at right tackle, would made it even more special. And to, to finish the trifecta, we had already been working. We had started working that Sunday and Monday on organizing how we were going to honor my son that day and so we had we were working on how we were going to do a drowning prevention thing at the stadium and how we were going to honor you know his passing and how we could use that to benefit others and make sure that you know try to prevent future drownings in a sense and so it was it was much more than just a game that was taken from me you know that that saturday when the league closed and so that was that was a lot of the thing that one of the main parts of the documentary that was being talked about. And so that having that realization that, you know, I, I'm not going to have that again. You know, the, the chances of me playing a football game on August 6th at my home UCF stadium is not going to happen. Right. Like, I mean, that's just not I mean, you know, the stars have to align in a crazy way for that to happen again. And so it, that that's something that he'll never understand. And that's, you know, that was, that was probably the biggest impact that I can think about, you know, from everything that was going on that week. And so that's, that's still resonating to me this day. You know, it still bothers me to this day. Has there been any communication between the, uh, the Alliance and any of the former players since then or no? None whatsoever. You know, actually I got on Twitter earlier today and I saw that the, uh, the Memphis team, like the, the, the whoever's handling the Memphis handle, the, uh, the Memphis Express, you know, the their, their, uh, the Memphis AAF team had, like, tweeted out something on their Twitter handle. Uh, it was either yesterday. It might be yesterday or the day before or something like that. But I thought that was funny. But that that's really the only response. It, they, they've been silent since they, they took their money and ran. I mean, that was, that was their premise. They took their money and they ran. They haven't said anything. And their lawyers probably told them not to say anything. And so that's why, I mean, we haven't heard one word from anybody. That's why, I mean... To get there, so it was it, trying to do my taxes after that <laughs> happened was a disaster, right? And trying to and, and anybody, right? And, and, and so I, I tried to communicate with like fifty athletes and trying to figure out how in the hell we how are we supposed to do our taxes, right? Because we have to get taxed from you know 
uh, California and Alabama and Georgia and then all in Texas. And so we had like and then nobody had our W-2s and nobody knew anything about how we were supposed to do anything. And so it was that whole thing was a disaster. And so I, I actually ended up figuring out what to do. And I kind of passed out the information to as many people as I could so we could all get our taxes done. But the whole thing was a shit show. I mean, it really was. Chris, obviously, uh, Charlie Ebersole, the founder of the league, is sort of, uh, uh, I guess, the, the the main person responsible for this. If, if he was here tonight, and you could say something to Charlie, what would you tell him? Unrated? What's Somewhat the, rated. What's the rules here? <laughs> <laughs> no, qu- quasi-rated. Yeah, what's the rules here? Like, you piece of shit? You know what I mean? Like, why, like, why, why would you start something that you weren't serious about? You know, that's really what I'm like. That's that's the only thing I can think about. Like, he, did, I don't think he took this seriously. I think he was just trying to rush it. He was just trying to rush the whole thing. I don't think he really expected it to succeed, but he was just trying to get it going. You know what I mean? He just wanted to, he thought if he could just get it going, that it would create this, like, you know, snowball effect for him was his idea. And that's the only thing I can think about that was in his mind is that let me just get it going. And then the snowball effect would kind of take place and everything would kind of fall into place for me. And that's how it seemed. And that's how the whole organization seemed. And that's, I mean, for a guy to take $315,000 out of a league, you know what I mean? After he fired everybody, it's kind of a slap in the face. Well, Chris, we're certainly glad that you could, you could join us. If you guys have not checked out the documentary Alliance is broken, it's available now on Amazon. Uh, it's a, it's a really compelling watch. Uh, there's a, a bunch of UCF guys in there. Chris is in there. Aaron Evans is in there. Uh, you see UCF football stadium in there a bunch of times too. Obviously, uh, Chris, the filmmakers who made it, they're, they're local to Orlando, right? Uh, so Steve Potter, he was an individual, an individual journalist for the teams around kind of, he was the one that had all the footage. So he was always there kind of just journaling everything going on so he was the one that directed it and did the film i think he's in philly that's where he was born like based out of is in philadelphia uh yeah i live in orlando uh i don't know i think aaron's relatively close but as far as the directors i don't think the directors live locally i think they live philly and another one lives a little bit further away as well well, when you, when you check it out, you'll definitely see a lot of footage of, uh, of a stadium and some scenes that, uh, that you'll recognize if you're, you're a UCF fan. And, and Chris, you're going to make it out to the Sons of UCF tailgate, right? Uh, September 2nd against oh, you, Boise. We, we'd we'd love to see you by there. Know, right where you guys are going to be, too. Awesome. Well, Chris, <laughs> we appreciate you. guys posted that so I can see it, man. No, we can't wait to catch up with you. We appreciate you taking some time. And, uh, again, if you guys haven't checked out the documentary, go check out Chris and, uh, and the story that a bunch of his teammates are telling. It's uh, definitely compelling, Chris. But we, we appreciate you taking some time, man. We'll catch up with you soon. Anytime. Appreciate you guys always. Thank you, man. Chris Martin is uh, is a good dude. And Trace Trelko is a good dude. He is uh, He has wandered the interwebs back and forth. He plugged his router in or something. I'm not really sure. But he is back with us now, Trace. Uh, hello. How's the show been? It was a little rough. I mean, I think we filibustered <laughs> through the secondary talk. I feel like we handled that pretty well. Uh, Chris Martin was compelling. I don't know if you heard a lot of that interview, but definitely a good, good perspective on his time at UCF and his uh, his thoughts on the uh, on the Alliance of American Football. It's all part of my contract renegotiations. I just want to do a half an hour, a half an hour of the hour. Fair enough. No, that's that's fair enough. And uh, and I, do you also want to get to a soundbite, Trace? Because I think we have a few of those. We have not uh, we've not played any any Chopping Sam Jackson waters. sounds. Chopping yeah. waters. Well, Chris Martin was an offensive lineman. I had opportunity at media day to talk with another current offensive lineman, Sam Jackson, 
And uh, one of the things we spoke of was the impact of new strength and conditioning coach, or as they call him, the director of sports performance, Chris Dawson. I think I've made tremendous gains. Um, you know, he came in with a different you know, uh, mindset. He still that into us about, you know, just working as hard as we possibly can. Um, you know, he, like anyone can say, like, we've all improved tremendously. I mean, uh, even Malzahn said it, you know, just the team in general, we're looking bigger, stronger, uh, more athletic. Uh, and, you know, it's just, I'm excited to have him here. And, you know, all the guys are really happy to have him here. So the full one-on-one -on -one interview with Sam Jackson and earlier Jeremiah Jean-Baptiste will be dropping on the Sons of UCF YouTube page uh, about 9.15, correct, Adam? On the dot, Trace, not a moment too soon or a moment too late. It's good that we're using your YouTube and Wi-Fi because if we were using the hamster who's on strike in the back room where my router is, I don't think we'd be able to get that out. So good that you're posting that. Uh, those one-on-ones, uh, coming out as well, had an opportunity to speak with uh, UCF women's soccer head coach Tiffany Roberts Haydack. Uh, the full one on one interview now available on the, uh, the Suns YouTube page and look for more previews of sports uh, as we're getting ready for men's soccer, volleyball, there's sports coming uh, in the fall. Uh, this week, my big question on Twitter at SignPez I asked about the uh, coaches ranking number 34 in the poll. Did you think it was? about right, uh, which was 62%. Two said, 2% two said too high, 36% said too low. I know Mike loves uh, a good poll. So 62% uh, seems about right. Mike, do you agree? I mean, that's about as much as we can ask for coming off a six and four season and the beating we took at the Boca Bowl. I don't think anybody expected us to be in the top 25, but we were receiving votes. And there was a time not too long ago where receiving votes was a pretty big deal, especially preseason receiving votes. That didn't happen for a long time around here. Well, Cincinnati is the highest ranked group of five team at 10. Our opponent in just three weeks, Boise State ranked 36. So let's do a little trash talking with a fan of uh, the Boise State Broncos. He's Matthew Garaji. You'll find him on Twitter at Boise State 1905, class of 2012. I got to tell you, one of the nicest guys that you're going to find online, always respectful of Night Nation. So I don't know how we're going to trash talk, but uh, Matthew, welcome into the Sons of UCF Live. How you doing, guys? Thanks for, for having me on. So, um, good to be here. Well, we're glad to have you. And let's just talk about that. You are respectful, aren't you, of UCF? You appreciate uh, how they have carried on that Boise State torch and really plowed the way for other group of five teams. I am. I am. And, um, you know, it's uh, – it's hard to, it's hard to, you know, so when I, and I, this is something you've probably seen me preach on Twitter a lot is, you know, you hear that saying, we're all, we're all in the same boat. Um, and, and that's just not the case for the G5 teams. We're all in the same, we, the G5 teams are on a boat of their own. So, you know, I've always been an advocate against that system, the system we currently have, because regardless of what they put in, money rules this. They, they, it's centered and it's situated and it's, it's put together in a way to kind of hit teams like UCF and Boise state and going beyond my fandom and, you know, just my loyalty to Boise state. I mean, these are other, these are people, they work hard for what they get. And then to be left out, you know, just because of uh, the conference they're in or who they play or what, you know, the powers that be designated them as G5 P5. Um, you know, it's, it's a lot of BS in my opinion. So, 
when I see UCF and I see what UCF has done, um, I'm it makes me proud, man. I'm I'm happy for it. Um, I I enjoy it. I enjoy watching you guys beat up on the big boys. I especially as a Cal fan, um, I especially loved your beat down of Stanford. Uh, that was just beautiful. So it's um, you know, it, I, I tried to be as respectful as I can. I'm not gonna lie to you, Trace. I was part of that two percent that voted too high um in your guys's ranking <laughs> um you know i had to troll you guys um but um you know i um uh i try to be as respectful as i can i've got no reason not to you guys have been great matthew how big a game is this for for boise state obviously you all have, have played some big games in the past uh, you're, you're not afraid to mix it up with some of the big boys and uh you've certainly played some showcase games but obviously you talked about these are probably two of the top three, four, five preeminent quote-unquote group of five teams going right now. How big a game is this for you guys? For I can speak for the fans. For us, it's a big game. You know, I was very vocal on Twitter. I wanted to play you guys. Um, and this is where – this was before the respect, mind you. This was a um, – you know, I was part of the – you know, they're, they're blowhards. They're, they're riding on our coattails and – Yada, yada. And then, um, you know, so when the game finally happened and the demand for it was so big on Twitter from both fan bases that it, from my understanding, Boise actually pushed the game out in order to make this game happen as sooner rather than later, uh, just because of where both the programs were. But from a fan perspective, it's huge. It's huge for us, you know. Uh, since he's having its day right now, Memphis kind of comes and goes. Houston comes and goes. San Diego State's never there, even though they want to say they are. Um, you know, Boise State, you know, I think that we've kind of been there, taking some step back and here and there. But I think that as of right now, in terms of the, the face of the G5, I think what we're really looking at right now are Boise, um, UCF, and Cincinnati. You know, we can throw in, uh, you know, Coastal in there or BYU, but the reality is, I mean, they've just kind of come onto the scene. It'd be interesting to see what they do this coming year. I think Coastal is going to not really miss a beat. I I think and I hope BYU sinks into the ocean. Um, but, you know, we um, I think that from a fan perspective, this is a big game. It's huge. It's got implications for both our teams. The, the stories are so parallel right now, too. Brand new head coaches kind of filling in some big holes, kind of seeing and we're coming off of a very strange year in football. Um, I think that this is going to be a very key year for both programs to see kind of where we are trajectory wise. And I think a good measure up against two G5 powers is a great way to start. You guys ended your season in a disappointing way, too, with a, a loss to San Jose State like we lost to BYU. You guys actually lost to BYU by a worse score than we did last year. How we, confident we are you coming into this game? Well, okay, so let, let's back up. Okay. <laughs> let's talk about that BYU game for a second. Um, yes, we got smacked. Um, uh, we were down to our fifth-string quarterback. Um Fourth string, fifth string. I didn't even know he was on the roster. Let's put it that way. Um, he may not have even been a you know a quarterback looking at his size. Um, but uh, the team was – that game never should have happened. Um, I'm not making excuses. They shellacked us. It was their year. I took the verbal beating on Twitter. But, um, I, you know, here's some – in the spirit of trash talk, 
at least we didn't lose that badly with our first strangers. No offense, UCF. Um, but you know, um, yeah, we, um, I, I think, uh, yeah, last year was so strange, you know, the Broncos finished five and two, um, losing the San Jose state. Uh, that was just a mind boggle. Um, I didn't even see that coming. I was, I was one of the guys that was like, all right, we're going to do this and we can beat them with towel boys. Like, cause it's San Jose state, but they came out, they did their thing. Much respect to them. My hats off to them. Um, you know, it's good. You know, I, I can feel their joy, you know, they're, uh, They've never been in that position before. The you know I I hope to God they're never in it again. Um, but you know it's it's yeah. Last year was was disappointing. Lots of games canceled. Um, they could not get the COVID situation under control at Boise. From this again, this is outsider looking in. Uh, but I'm hoping that with kind of this new culture shift, this new coaching change, we don't have a repeat of last year. If Boise State comes to Orlando and wins, why will that happen? Um, right now, if I got to, if I had to, you know, this is kind of something I floated on Twitter a few days ago about position groups. Um, if if Boise State goes into Orlando and wins, I think it's going to be off the back of their running game. To be honest with you, I think that the way it's looking to me right now is. Um, your guys' running game got depleted with, uh, uh, I think it was, uh, God, what was his name? Bino? Is that what you guys call him? Beno? Yes. You know? yep. Yeah, with his departure, uh, I mean, you guys you guys have positions in there that can be filled. Uh, your wide receiver core, you know, I'm not even going to touch the wide receiver core. I did that with Oklahoma State, and I got, I got just buried. Um, you know, it, Oklahoma State was in a similar position as you guys are right now. They had a lot of kind of new receivers stepping in. Um, if I think, you know, in my personal opinion, based on if the game was played today, based on the, the roles we're seeing, um, I'd have to say Boise State's offense looks a little bit more complete, a little bit more whole to me than UCF's right now. So I, I worry about the, the weapons that UCF has available to them. Um, you know, I was watching Chris right before this. Uh, one thing that he said that stuck out to me was the O-line kind of learning where those backs like to cut. Um, that's a process that needs to be put in. I've got all the faith in the world in Malzahn to figure that out and to kind of get that system kind of pushed in and, and put into place for those guys. But if I if I had to pick one, I'm going to have to say I think that the Boise State running backs, I think that whole back core is going to just have uh, – uh, is going to have a day in my opinion, um, you know, now this is again. This is no disrespect to the the UCF offense, but overall, if I it just to me, Boise State's looking a bit more of a complete team, in my opinion. Well, I mean, you guys have some uh, turnover too, right? A new offensive coordinator. I think your third in three years. A new head coach, Andy Avalos. I, I the quarterback spot, Hank Bachmeyer, Jake Sears. I'm not sure if that's if that's sewn up yet. I mean, you confident that you guys have all of your your you know, I guess, turnover, all of the things that you need to, to put in place with all the new pieces you have? I, I think so. You know, this was uh, something I talked with a UCF fan about a couple of days ago was um, the the culture, you know, one guy brought up to me, and I forgot who it was, but he said, you know, don't forget you guys have a new coach too. And it's true. We do. We do have a new coach. The only, the, the biggest difference I would say between Malzahn and Andy Avalos is um, Andy Avalos knows most of these players. These are players he helped recruit. He was only gone for a year. 
Now, this does not account for that offensive coordinator and plow. It does not re- account for our whole defensive staff. We, there's all, I mean, we, we got a whole new staff in there, too. Um, I think that one of the biggest things is that Andy is probably going to have a little bit less of a rough for time getting his system and, and him and who he is into place just because of that, those relationships that are already there with the players. Malzahn is obviously an energetic guy. He's, I've been watching his press conferences. He's charismatic. Um, and the way he's run in practice, I've, I've seen some of these highlights in these videos. The guy is acting and working like he's been there for 10 years. You see him driving, how he's driving practice. He's, he's just, he's getting in the players. He's looking at them. He's calling them out. He's raising them up. He's cheering on their successes. So I think that, you know, that's another good thing too. Um, but I, um, you know, in terms of the turnover, you know, when I look at one of the positions that was speaking, you know, one of the turn you brought up turnovers. And one of the things that kind of bothers me about Boise State right now is um, uh, we, we have a, our backs are young. That's kind of, I think, the biggest depletion. And that's dangerous against a quarterback like, like Gabriel. And I'm just going to be real here. He, he's so much like Kellen Moore. He can get the ball anywhere he wants to whoever he wants. And this is why I'm kind of backing. I made one comment about the wide receivers on Twitter, and that's about all I'm going to say because if there's anybody in this country that I think is going to adapt to any receiving core in front of them, it's DG. The, 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 the guy's field awareness and his, his, foot, his football IQ is, is like Kellen Moore. His field awareness is like Mahomes. His power in his arm is, is just ridiculous for his size. Um, you know, Boise's got to contain him. And it's going to be a hard, hard thing to do with, those, with, with how depleted that, that those safeties and corners are on our side. I think there's some respect for the, the Boise players coming from UCF. I think there's some respect for the fans. But isn't it time not to stop with that horrendous blue field you guys got there? I mean, I can't watch a game. Is it that bad in person as it is on TV? Because it, it makes my eyes bleed. It's beautiful in person, man. And when you come in 2023, I'm going to give you a personal tour, my friend. Um, because it's, you know, when you see it, you know, when you see it in person, it's, um, it, 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 it takes your breath away in a way. Um, you know, you, you kind of look at it. You don't expect it. it it's a lot. Something about TVs really kind of glares it up, flares it up, you know, um, especially those NBC or, I'm sorry, CBS sports cameras. Um, but it's, uh, I mean, I love it. I hope it stays. One of my friends asked me um, on Twitter, hey, if the Pac-12 came up to you guys and said, you know, you can join, but you got to get rid of the blue turf, what would you say? I'd say, bye. <laughs> Sticking in the Mountain West. You know, for and I and I'm one of the biggest, most obnoxious Boise to the Pack guys on Twitter, and um, so it's just for me, it's it's iconic. Um, you know, I love it. I think it, you know, it it was a big part in building that brand for Boise, getting that recognition. Uh, for the longest time, we were that little school in Idaho, and, and you just you can't say that anymore. And I think that that field was such an integral part of that. Nah, it sucks. Get rid of it. <laughs> so the line has gone from uh, about 10 to 4 what's the wager I see some of the comments on screen fans looking for a wager I mean UCF's going to win this laying the points going away I think we're fairly confident you can have a blue field it can be a black and blue field it's it's not going to be good for you guys well you've got to come up with some sort of wager here over the next couple of weeks so I do have one with the UCF fan um, Dan Frijoles 
Um, I'm sure he, he's, he's pretty well connected within your guys' community. The wager I've got with him is if um, if UCF wins, I'm up. I mean, my my Twitter is going to be black and gold. Um, it's going to be black and gold. You're going to have I'm I've, I'm buying a UCF hat, UCF T-shirt. I'm going to wear it. I'm going to keep it up. He said just for a week. Um, I'm actually going to reach out to him again and, and ask him. I'm going to say we should do it for a month. You know, I think a week is just not. I mean, if not, why not all football season? The game is that big for both of us. Um, you know, I'd be willing to do it. I consider myself kind of a pseudo UCF fan at this point. Um, I feel kind of in the fold of UCF Twitter mafia. Um, so I, um, you know, I, that that's my wager. If there's any other UCF fans that want to have a friendly kind of wager out there, hit me up on Twitter. I'm always, always willing to have some fun. I and mean, come on, I'm a Boise State fan. What, what, what do I have to lose seeing a bunch of you guys decking out your Twitter in blue and orange. I mean, it'd be glorious to see half your fan base do that for me. Yeah, well, don't get too confident about that, but we are looking forward to the game three weeks from tonight. Matthew, you're a fun follow at Boise Blue 1905 on Twitter. Enjoy talking with you back and forth, and I'm sure we'll jaw over these next couple of weeks. Thanks for joining us on the Sons of UCF Live. Let's do it, guys. Thanks for having me on. Pleasure to be here. Um, looking forward to this game. Go Broncos. Go Broncos. Yeah. That's not going to work. <laughs> uh, Mike, you get right to it. Uh, forget the position battles. Just get right to the turf. I mean, that thing is annoying. It was cute the first couple of years they did it. <laughs> I, I understand they were building a brand. They have a good football team. Enough with that crap. It, it, I can't watch a Boise State game on TV. Sorry. Well, do we, Trace, we know uh, we should have we yep. should have asked him. He was just. Do, is he coming to the game? Do we know? Will he be in Orlando? I guess we could have asked him while he was here. No, no, he's got to work uh, and can't can't swing that trip. Uh, is what he. Uh, I was going to give him a personal invite to the uh, Sons of UCF tailgate, where I'm sure Mike would throw a pie in his face. <laughs> so is it true? I know the internet on my end was cutting in and out, but am, am I correct? This free beer you guys are providing is that right, Mike? Is that is it a free no, beer? No, not only is your internet bad, Trace, you're hearing <laughs> me off as well, and that's unfortunate for you. <laughs> it's free to me. The, the beer is offering. I guess it's not free, but and here no. I thought I had Everybody COVID. Bring your own, you have COVID. Bring your own beer. Bring your own food. Bring whatever else you want too. But I'm not. I'm not bringing drinks for everybody. I don't have that much money. Well, this is deeply disappointing, Mike. I, I, I may have <laughs> You're not even showing that. up. And if you did, you said you weren't even. Well, not drink. now. Not now. Free <laughs> <laughs> beer. Uh, let's I think, see. I think, uh, if, I, if I read this right, I think Robert is going to bring free beer for everybody. If I read his uh, oh, his message right, so free beer on Robert it looks like. Uh, let us uh, see if we can get a question or two in the in the Suns mailbag. This is the quickest show I've I've ever. Uh, we can go long, Trace. We can go, it, uh, we can go five yeah, minutes long. In your honor, in yeah, your honor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like I've missed. I I don't have a lot of confidence in the Wi-Fi connection. Add black gold underscore Ed. Looks like it is going to be three MG stadium. We're not sure of that. The board of trustees meeting getting postponed uh, Wednesday, but hopefully it uh, goes on. What's a good monomic? Is it monomic? Men- I can't say that word. Is it monomic? Um, it's yeah. like UCF might graduate. I think, three it's, team, I think three it's times mnemonic. Three more Guinness are his examples. Mo- mnemonic, I right? I think it's mnemonic. Yeah, I think the M is silent. M- mnemonic. And, and mnemonic yeah. there. Yeah. Three MG. What are three good letters? Uh, that uh, could uh, you could use for that. 
I, I feel like Mike's got an answer here. <laughs> Go ahead, Mike. <laughs> I got to tell you, I've been stumped on this all week. I can't come up with anything. I was trying to figure out how to say that word. I've never seen a silent M in a word before, I don't think, right? <laughs> mnemonic. I don't know. Mnemonic, I, I think. Mnemonic, yeah. Yeah. At uh, Zeebles UCF uh, saying, it's Freaky Friday. You get to be Timo for a day. What uh, upgrades would you make to stadiums or facilities? I mean, obviously, we always talk football, so I would probably do something to uh, to add to the fan experience. If I'm going to be selfish for a second, uh, so something that adds to the fan experience, uh, you know, maybe that's a uh, um, uh, just a new section, uh, cabana style section, something along those lines. But I'd probably do something to add to the fan experience. Well, the one thing that would make a lot of fans happy would have some shade in the stadium. I know there's not going to they're not going to build a roof, even though we have a roofing company sponsoring the stadium, but. Maybe some kind of canopy like they have over at Hard Rock Stadium here with the Dolphins. Something to provide a little shade for the fans. And if not for me personally, I'd like to see like some, especially in the second level, more restrooms, a wider concourse, better concourse area in the second level of the stadium. I think Lynn's got it right. She's asking for a roof and air conditioning. That's the right answer. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like a thousand percent. Uh, and me and Angus with some several questions, uh, Adam responding to this one on Twitter during the week. He says, I'll be tailgating in an RV in B7. Will there be a Sons of UCF golf cart available to pick me up and shuttle me to the Sons of UCF tailgate? Adam, you you have a golf cart. I have a, uh, a Sons of UCF golf cart. Um, unsure if it'll be making the trek down to Orlando, but if not, uh, for those of you who uh, mind Twitter, you've seen Mike in a tank top. You can just jump on his back. He'll carry you wherever you want to go. <laughs> so let me get this straight. Not only do we provide you guys with the best location <laughs> possible, you now want free beer and yeah. golf carts to take you around campus, right? Tell me what else What else do we have to do to make you guys happy? Tell me. <laughs> Don't ask that. That's a loaded yeah, question. Don't, don't answer that question. Yeah. <laughs> you may get some answers. Uh, me and Angus is a more serious question. Without Bentavious at running back, uh, most of the running back room being new to the uh, system, we heard from R.J. Harvey this week, Isaiah Bowser's. Uh, will the offense be clicking on day one? Keep in mind we're in a similar position to wide receiver. If the passing game gets shut down, which based on the preview we heard from Matthew may not be likely, uh, can we run our way out of it? I, I thought the, the comment made also about uh, that gelling between the running backs and the offensive line. Uh, we have a lot of questions still going in uh, uh, just about the way everybody might be firing on all cylinders. Yeah, I mean, obviously the running game took a bit of a hit. We heard uh, rumors that Mark Anthony Richards was not 100%. Uh, Trace, you were uh, first on the scene there with some photographs of him at practice with a, a rather bulky knee brace, so we don't know his status yet. Uh, uh, Isaiah Bowser is a giant human being. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I was surprised at how short RJ Harvey was. It, it it seemed like he may or may not have had issues looking over the podium when he was at the press conference trace. <laughs> I was not surprised. I was a little bit taken back by how, how small he might've been from a height perspective, but Malzahn finds a way to run the football. That's what he does. I think we have some solid offensive linemen. It will probably take some time. I think Chris Martin indicated that too, but I feel like we'll be able to, to get some yards on the ground. I feel like I feel comfortable with those guys. And you bring in Johnny Richardson, change of pace. I think we'll be able to chew up some yards there make some short passes you know and i don't know if you guys know this we have this thing called a tight end we can actually throw to them over the middle too so maybe that's an option for us i, I always view running back as more of a reactionary position where right? they see the hole and go so I, i'm to me the onus is on the offensive line to open up those holes and the running backs are talented enough 
to, to and have skills to get through them and make some big plays out of it. So the, the thing I'm looking for out of the running back is which one is able to block the best? Which guy is able to pick up the blitzes the best and protect Dylan Gabriel and now open up the passing game? Yeah, that's a good one. I'll skip down to at Rejoice Nights. Joyce, a, uh, a fan of the show. Are you ready for Starbucks to bring back pumpkin spice latte? And do you believe it should be offered year round? Not a coffee guy. I don't I don't think I've had coffee more than like three times in my entire life. But I am an all in pumpkin guy, pumpkin donuts, pumpkin cookies, pumpkin loaf, whatever you got. If it's your pumpkin, I, I'm your pumpkin guy. So I will take the pumpkin uh, minus the latte. I had never drank coffee and I didn't know what PSL was until just now when you said it. <laughs> what what did you think it might have been? What were you considering it? Personal seat license is the only thing I know. I didn't know what that had to do with Starbucks. But, uh, no, uh, whatever. I, whatever makes you guys happy. On that Doesn't matter to me. Do they have beer lattes? If they do, bring them to the tailgate. We may be the three worst guys to ask about this. I don't drink coffee either, and I don't like anything with pumpkins. So yeah, they can they can bring it back year round or never have it again. I, I it won't matter to me. Um, so a couple of plugs here before we talk about your interview with Darren Slack. I, I got the email from Mike that we're doing a pick 'em again, uh, uh, which it somehow seems rigged that you won. I don't know. It, I don't know how you can think it's rigged when every week you see the results and who picked which games. I picked more winners than anybody last year. What do you want me to do about it? There were, I think, over 40 participants last year. Maybe I, I don't even know the number. We're already up to about 20 before I signed on here today. So a good amount of people interested in doing it. We're going to have some prizes for the, for the winner. And last year, nobody beat me. I don't know what to tell you. Some people quit. Like Adam, I think, quit halfway through the year when he saw it was hopeless to catch me. I built up such a big lead. Um, let's see who can do it. If anybody can do it this year, you're going to get some cool prizes. Yeah, I gave up halfway through. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, that was that was it. I, I gave up because it's against the spread. I'm not good at math. I got to figure out, like, I think this seems better, but then I got to give the six and a half. And are they better than that? I don't have time for all those math in my life. I have too much pumpkin to consume. Against the spread is the only way to do it. Of course, we're going to beat UConn. The question is, are we going to beat them by 52? Probably, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I hope, for crying out loud. So hop on at UCF Mike 1. You'll see the uh, uh, way to sign up. And yeah, we should be able to get more than 40 people into the mix yeah. on this one. I know, Adam, you also put out the uh, notice to subscribe to the YouTube channel and all of the social media. We're dropping a lot of content. Uh, you're getting videos from practice and uh, the uh, player interviews. And again, dropping in about 15 minutes, uh, Sam Jackson and Jeremiah Jean Baptiste one-on-ones. I really enjoyed listening to the Darren Slack interview, especially when he went into weatherman mode and gave us the game day forecast in Wichita some 30 plus years ago. <laughs> yeah, listen, obviously Mike and I consider ourselves kind of old souls when it comes to UCF football. Uh, so anytime we can connect with some of the, uh, the, the folks who laid the foundation, it's always good. Uh, obviously not a lot of clips laying around from the Darren Slack era. But all you need to do is pull up a UCF record book, and his name appears in a lot of different categories, which, considering all the other great quarterbacks we've had, shows you how good he was. Uh, told some great stories. I thought the most fascinating thing, Trace, is he, he says, you know, going into the 87 season, they were basically told, go to the playoffs or the program's over. Now, there's yeah. probably a little bit of hyperbole in that. I'm sure it wasn't that direct a comment. But literally, the three of us aren't talking right now if we don't make the playoffs in 87. That, that, that's where this really could be at. And I think that's a kind of a, one of those uh, sentiments uh, you know, uh, seminal moments in a program's history. And to hear it from somebody who lived it uh, was definitely fascinating. Very cool stories out of Darren. And the one I enjoyed the most, 
How do you throw seven touchdowns in a game and get yelled at by your head coach? And then the reaction of Coach Kruzek to go along with it, I thought was great too. I like when he shared the story that he got chewed at by Coach McDowell and then Coach McDowell looked at the film and apologized and then ripped into another guy for not doing his job. <laughs> Revisionist history, one. Trace. Revisionist history. It works both ways. Uh, good stuff, guys. Uh, again, thank you for bearing with uh, my dial-up internet issues this evening. I'm looking forward to watching the first half of the show and hearing from Chris Martin. Uh, and thanks to uh, Matthew for joining us to give us a little of the perspective from Boise State. Just 21 days away. Uh, by this time, uh, we will be well into the game. And you've got the tailgate coming up, the pick'em contest. We're getting closer and closer to football season. Uh, do we get a sold-out stadium uh, for Boise or in general? I think for Boise, I feel like we should be pretty close to capacity for Boise. I'm not sure about season. I think I saw, what, 97% Trace sold out season tickets today. So we still have a little bit of ways to go, Diane. Yeah, right. and to, answer, to, to say to Diane, you know, it also looks like they're with the rise in the, the COVID numbers already some Orange County is shutting down some of its athletic uh, programs for kids. And that may be holding that 97% number. It hasn't really climbed much over the last couple of weeks. I think Boise State is the best chance at a sellout, but uh, unless there's some stabilizing or decrease in these numbers, I think some folks are going to stay away. And that takes into account the visiting team bringing 3,000 fans. I think a lot of games you're going to see a lot of those tickets returned, but then also that opens up. I think UCF will let overflow students into those seats if they're not sold. So the stadium is going to look packed every game on TV, I think. At least for that home opener, so... Good stuff. All right. We've got media availabilities with uh, Coach Malzahn and defensive coordinator uh, Travis Williams uh, next week. And, of course, more player uh, interviews uh, dropping in just 10 minutes on the YouTube channel. I want to thank everyone for bearing with me on some strange Wi-Fi connectivity issues for me tonight. Uh, I look forward to talking with you again next week. I'm Trace Trolko. Go Knights. Charge on. Is this how? Sports Social Podcast Network.